0: This show was created for you, the broken Catholic who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. Today, my featured guest is Becky Ellis. She was born and raised in Dallas, Texas. At the age of 12, her and her mother began volunteering for a disability ministry called Joni and Friends. Every summer, the ministry holds family camps for the entire family, touched by special needs. It was this summer back in 1998 that Becky found a love for serving the community, and she found herself returning every summer to volunteer. In 2012, Becky joined the ministry on staff and currently serves as the Senior Area Director for the Joni and Friends Texas office. You can find her at Joniandfriends.org forward slash Texas, Joniandfriends.org forward slash Texas Becky, welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you?
1: Yes, thank you so much, Joseph. I'm glad to be here. Um, like you said, uh, Johnny and Friends has been uh, has had a huge impact on my life. Born and raised in Dallas uh, under great Christian parents. I uh, grew up going to a, a church, a non-denominational church. And uh, it was uh, when I was 12 years old that we were invited to a camp to serve families affected by disability. While being a 12 year old, I really didn't want to go, but my mom uh, and I signed up and we went and it was that summer that our lives were changed. And we really, uh, or I really saw uh, the beauty behind serving others, uh, getting out of your bubble, uh, at a young age, I was very fortunate uh, to my mom for that. And so um, after that, uh, continued to go back to camp every year, uh, and serve, uh, through college. And, um, uh, after, uh, getting married, told my husband, Hey, sorry, I am out of pocket this week, uh, every year. Uh, if you want to come love that. And, um, then it was So in just 2002- to
0: clarify, just to clarify when you got married, like <laughs> yeah. part of the deal of him marrying you was, Hey, ministry is very much a part of my life. And this specific ministry has my heart. So just know you're getting the whole package deal. Is that correct?
1: Whole package deal. Yes. And he was on board with that, luckily. So (laughs) That's so awesome.
0: All right. So before we get into your story, uh, deep into it, um, share something personal about you that very few people in your business life actually know.
1: Yeah. Well, um, just recently, we welcomed our second child into our family. uh, Another girl. So we have a three-year-old and a three-month-old and really uh, through- that, uh, and these times of being in a pandemic, something that I have really struggled with is just anxiety. Uh, and, um, just that, that comes with motherhood, um, juggling a full-time job, uh, trying to be a mom, mom guilt, uh, wife guilt, uh, all the things that you can get done, all the things that you can't get done. Um, and sometimes that anxiety can be paralyzing, um, Mm. to where I don't know where to begin my day. Uh, and if I don't start it in the word, because, you know, we've got to clean up the oatmeal spill on the floor before getting ready for work, before packing the bags to get out the door, Um, then my day doesn't start off on the right foot. And Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, life is uh, ever evolving and um, keeping those consistent, that consistent quiet time with the Lord has been the one thing that will get you through it. Uh, nothing Mm. else. And so uh, when there are big life changes, like a a newborn baby, sometimes they can disrupt that and the devil wants to take hold of that. And so um, it really is, uh, it does take diligence and discipline uh, to set that time, whether it be a new normal morning time, night time, but making sure that you have that time, uh, that personal one-on-one relationship with the Lord that's strengthened through those quiet times, whatever they look like.
0: Mm, that is so good. I'm so glad you went there. And first off, yeah. let me acknowledge you for being vulnerable and transparent with battling anxiety um, and stress and you know, life, just yeah. the challenges of life and motherhood, but also working full-time simultaneously. And then on top of it, all the fear mongering of the pandemic that's being shoved at us constantly, just really throwing lighter fluid or gasoline on, on these, these fires that we already have of just life. And uh, so many listeners right now struggle with this. And I know in the beginning of the pandemic, I was struggling with this big time. And I was just feeling so out of place. And uh, like I, all of a sudden, I, I had purpose and then I didn't. Like mm-hmm. the next day, I didn't. Like, what the bleep? Where did it go? Yeah. It's not like you lose purpose, um, but the feelings became, became so powerful the feelings of anxiety. And, and I just felt myself getting depressed for no good reason, because my life is so blessed and awesome and mm. fantastic. But feelings and emotions are very powerful liars, I think. Sometimes they're liars and the enemy will use them. And going back to your point, what I did, uh, BC Nation, is I jumped into the word and I specifically targeted the things I was wrestling with. And and the lie I, that kept coming up for me was disappointment disappointment. I had had a a whole series of disappointments in the past year or two. And the enemy was speaking that lie into me, like nothing's going to work out. Why even try? Might as well quit. You look at all these things that didn't work out the way you wanted, et cetera. And what I did was I Googled disappointment in the Bible, quote, disappointment in the Bible. And it came up with all Bible verses that speak to disappointment. And what I did is I spoke those verses. I, I created a list of 13 of my favorite Bible verses that targeted disappointment as an example. And obviously you can use whatever it is you're struggling with. And when I spoke them out loud every single morning for five minutes, I just read those Bible verses out loud. I spoke God's truth into the enemy's lie and they dissipated immediately. And then I started my day powerfully. And after a week or two of doing that, those lies just totally permanently just went away. So I don't know if that contributes to you, Becky, personally, or to you, BC Nation, um, but that is a very specific uh, holy habit or spiritual strategy that you can do right now during this pandemic. What shows up for you in that, Becky?
1: You know, that reminds me of uh, a practice that my husband and I used to do, and I've started to integrate with my three-year-old. Um, based on one of my favorite Bible verses, which is always be joyful, pray without ce- ceasing, be thankful in all circumstances and how we would start the day. Um, my husband years ago, he used to have an hour long commute. And so he sometimes he would be up and out the door before I would see him, but we would always text, um, a handful of things that we were grateful for that day. Hmm. Something about each other, uh, something physical, like hot water, um, something about the Lord, uh, and something personally. And we would simply just, you know, in, in the text, number one, yeah, I'm thankful for my washing machine <laughs> this morning. Number two, I'm thankful for your kindness to me uh, and so on and so forth. And when you can live in that state of gratitude, uh, I think it h- continues to keep things in perspective um, and just recognizing all that the Lord has blessed us with speaking it out, having an accountability partner, teaching it to your, your young ones, uh, your kids at a young age uh, is a beautiful thing.
0: So your three-year-old daughter, like (laughs) she, she says, says the things that she's grateful for, like every morning, is that?
1: Well, it's usually at bedtime. We talk about what we're grateful for and it could be something in her bed, uh, like a stuffed animal. It could be what I have just said. Uh, there's a lot of, of repeating. Um, and, uh, so she's learning, uh, it hasn't necessarily been that she has picked up picked something out uh, that she truly is grateful for. But I think just the practice of it, she'll get there. <laughs>
0: that's so good. Yeah. Her brain's still forming. So she only <laughs> looks at what you can see, right? Yep. What's right now. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. All right. Let's go to uh, Johnny and Friends, mm-hmm. uh, the organization you work with. What inspired you? I know the founder, uh, Johnny, mm-hmm. um, has quite an inspirational story. Um, yes. Would you be willing to share the brief version of that that really touched your heart?
1: Yes, I'd love to. So, Johnny was uh, a 17 year old young athletic girl when she took a dive into the Chesapeake Bay, broke her neck, and became a quadriplegic. Uh, It was in her time in the hospital after that where she went through a state of depression and she wanted to take her life, but she could not because she couldn't use her arms. Uh, She had no way of doing it. Her friends weren't going to do it for her, but she had. an army of friends and family that surrounded her and brought the word to her. Um, She knew about the Lord before the accident, but she would even say she wasn't, you know, walking in it. Um, But it was those friends that really instilled hope in her uh, through her accident. So years later, she founded the ministry of Johnny and friends, wanting to reach out to families living in despair uh, under the weight of disability. And there is so much that comes with our ministry, but, uh, Johnny is, um, gosh, she is over 50 years in a wheelchair now. Um, she is, uh, has defeated cancer, uh, gosh, is it two or three times? Um, she has just recently defeated COVID and she is just thriving. She is a hero of the faith. Uh, And it's through her leadership that this ministry standing on 40 plus years uh, has thrived uh, all across the world to reach uh, uh, families, to provide hope through the hardships that they're living in. Wow.
0: What's it like for you? Maybe the first time, what was it like for you the first time you met Johnny Mm -hmm. and you're dealing with your own little crises of life? We all have them, struggles, challenges, and then you see this young lady quadriplegic in a wheelchair, prison, who's possibly not complaining, but rather thriving and striving, just not giving up and out inspiring others uh, to look at their hardship differently Mm -hmm. and to, to draw power from their pain, so to speak. What was that like for you the first time you met her
1: Well, that was over 20 years ago for me. Um, But I do remember she uh, so she's also an artist and she paints with a paintbrush in her mouth and she can write and draw with a paint with uh, a pen in her mouth. And so I remember watching her sign a book for us. Uh, Somebody was holding the book in front of her and she had the pen in her mouth and she has her classic signature that many of you may have seen. Uh, And it was just so inspiring to know that she doesn't have the use of her arms. Here she is joyful, grateful, and doing what she can with what the Lord has blessed her with. Uh, Who am I as a 12 year old to complain or um, whine about, you know, the small things in life. And that really impacted me at a young age um, to um, just grab life uh, as God has given it to us to be grateful for what he has given us, how he's given it to us uh, and serve him, whether that be through volunteering and serving and loving others, whether that be through being uh, a mom at home with young kids that are screaming and crying, whether that be through your job. Um, And so she definitely inspired me and continues to inspire me in that way.
0: Wow. So good. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Do you have any stories or examples of individuals that you've helped you personally? have witnessed their stories, maybe a before and after story, a comeback story of people that you volunteered with, worked with, uh, where you just saw a massive hardship in their life and somehow they were able to really embrace what God gave them, um, lean into it rather than run from it and and turn it into something bigger or greater.
1: Yeah. I mean, there are so many stories through the outreaches that we have and the families that we serve. Uh, we the camp that we do, we hear a lot of times the families that come that that is the first, you know, vacation that they've had since their eight-year-old boy with autism was born because they can't leave their house. Or that was the first time that they've ever felt accepted. Um, One of my favorite family, not favorite families, but just a longtime family uh, and friend of the ministry, they have five kids uh, and two of their girls uh, have a very rare disorder called trisomy 16P. And their first daughter was born with this rare, rare disorder. And they were told, you know, it was one in a million and they won't live, um, you know, past two, past the age of two. Well, a couple of years later, they were, uh, got pregnant, had another daughter with the exact same disability. Mm. And uh, the wife shares that when they were leaving the doctor and they had just told them this diagnosis, diagnosis, she says, um, what an honor that we get to do this again, uh, that God would bless us with this again. And so years later, I believe the girls who who are, um, gosh, I want to say they're 12 and 10, so they have surpassed the age of two, uh, come to our family retreats, and they will say that it's the first time they've walked into the dining hall and not been stared at. It's the first time they've sat down for a meal and not been the loudest ones in the room. It's the first time that a mom or a dad um, can sit down and say, me too. I understand. Uh, We're dealing with the same thing. And just having that community uh, around you of someone that gets it uh, and that can sit with you in the hardship, in the pain. Uh, it is just so beautiful to see um, these marriages be restored, uh, to, for hope to be restored. Uh, one of the, my favorite quotes from Johnny is, God permits what he hates to accomplish that which he loves. And we see that a lot in our outreaches. There um, is so much pain uh, in disability, in, in the hardships. Um, and why that question, we hear that all the time. Why has God permitted this? Why did God permit this accident, uh, of Johnny, uh, so many years ago, um, to accomplish that, which he loves and we may not understand it. Um, but we know that we are a part of his plan.
0: Mm. This hits home personally. Um, one of my sisters, uh, has a autistic son, um, very extreme autism. And, uh, violent, violent. And it's very difficult to love a violent child. Uh, he's now at age 14, I want to say, or 15. Um, his strength has surpassed his parents, um, overly strong. Uh, they've, his mom has had to call the police on her own son multiple times. And it took four police officers to contain him, that kind of strength. And. The few times that I have visited recently, I felt like there was a darkness present present in the home, right? This spirit of violence in this innocent child, this boy who didn't choose that. It's just something born with. Um, And I know for me personally, I didn't feel comfortable around it. I wanted to get away from it and go back to my normal life because that was abnormal, But yet my sister had to deal with that every single day, 24 hours a day. To me, that occurs as such a hopeless situation. Yet my sister has thrived through it. It has drawn her closer to her heavenly father than anyone could imagine. She's joyful. She's happy. She thanks God for her son. When I speak with her, she doesn't complain about her challenges or struggles she talks about the blessings and the things God is doing in her life with her other kids, with, with, with him as well. And I just look at that. And I'm like, just blown away. Like she's my hero. Like how does someone sustain that kind of chronic suffering for that long? I don't think I'm capable of it, to be honest with you. But then again, only God knows what, what, what shows up in you when you see those hopeless situations? What do you battle in yourself? Well, what does God bring to the surface about you?
1: That's a, that's a great question. Um, You know, I think uh, a lot of times, like you said, it made you uncomfortable. And I think a lot of people are uncomfortable with disability because it is not quote unquote, the normal, or we may not see it. Um, but the disability community is the most unchurched population in the world. Over 1 billion people in the world are impacted by disability. And, you know, when I say disability, I think a lot of people think wheelchair or autism, but it could be post-traumatic stress. Um, it could be a trauma from childhood. It could be uh, a veteran returning home from a battlefield. And I think, um, uh, what it brings out in me is a desire to um, not show the world, but just to, um, to reach out to those families and provide them with community because they need it. Um, one of the things that I think this pandemic uh, has brought about is everyone has experienced isolation, especially in the beginning. And that is not abnormal for our families. That is normal for our families impacted by disability, to experience that isolation, to experience the, the fear of catching a common cold and it could be life ending. And so, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that the, the pandemic has brought about that knowledge because that is what our families deal with every day. Uh, mm-hmm. And if we can uh, realize that and be more sympathetic to that, uh, we could reach a lot more families through our church through our community uh, of those families that are living in isolation, uh, that are living hopeless lives. um, and, And we can do something about that to change that.
0: I really get what you're saying there, Becky. It's difficult for us to relate to other people when we haven't been through their experience. And I remember I used to look at people with addiction as weaker individuals, people without discipline Why can't you just control that thing that's not working? That's hurting people around you. You're obviously a weaker person. That's how I used to see it. Until God allowed me to experience addiction in one area of my life. And it was the first time in my life that I couldn't stop doing the poor behavior. I had no control and a complete sense of powerlessness, which I had never experienced before in my life. And it wasn't a lack of effort or desire to stop. There was chemical uh, changes that I experienced in my body, no different than an alcoholic. And I couldn't stop. And I thought to myself, God, why'd you allow this? I know I chose through my poor choices. I take responsibility, but why are you allowing this? And then when I stopped asking the why question, because I think why questions are mostly pointless when it comes to God. Why this? Why are there suffering? Why is this guy blue? Like All we, it does is cause us frustration and unsatisfied answers. I started asking what questions and what are you wanting me to do with this? What are you showing me about me? What is your purpose uh, through this? Um, what would you have me do next? Start asking these what questions. And then I really got present too. And God showed me that he allowed me to experience what other people go through so that I could speak to those other people, not from a place of superiority, but a place of authenticity. Mm-hmm. Hey, I've been there. I get it. Praise God. I've, I've gotten through it and I no longer deal with the addiction. It's out of my life. Let me show you how to get out. And it's a completely different perspective. Um, so is that what you're talking about as yes. far as like connecting with people there?
1: Yes. Yeah. I really believe that some of the most um, comforting words can be me too. Uh, I know I went through that with my first uh, child, you know, as a mom being up in the middle of the night, you don't know if your baby is eating enough, texting other people. What am I doing wrong? Or they're crying all the time. But for for me personally, for a mom to say, oh, my gosh, me too. I went through that too. Let me walk you through what I did. Let me walk you through how the Lord uh, spoke to me in those challenging times. Um, uh, we were made to live in relationship and and community. Uh, so to have that, to have um, someone that understands, someone that will listen uh, and that that cares for you and cares with you, uh, a lot of times can bring you out of that despair, out of that addiction, out of whatever it is.
0: Mm. So good. So even though we're in a pandemic, are you seeing more community developing, more Christian community because people are, the majority of people are now experiencing isolation?
1: Uh, We were seeing community in a different way. So I know as a ministry, we had to shift our outreaches, our in-person outreaches. And so we tried a lot of things virtually and some of them were great although they will never replace the in-person camps that we have or or, um, whatever it is, Christmas carnivals. Um, But we were able to reach um, people we may may not have ever reached through, uh, for instance, we did an online drumming class and we hired uh, Kevin at Drumming Around to come in and do um, a 45 minute virtual drumming class with our kids living with special needs. And we had one kid, with two wooden spoons in his hand, drumming on a watermelon in his kitchen. Uh, and so it was moments like that, that we were forced to think out of the box, be creative, and how can we engage the community during this time of isolation? So um, so yes and no. I think uh, we really wanted to go beyond our reach through the virtual world, uh, but we are so ready to get back to our in-person uh, outreaches and uh, community gatherings.
0: Give me three tips or, or spiritual strategies or techniques, methods that BC Nation can apply in their life right now if, like myself, they uh, know people with disabilities um, or people that are different, that are struggling with challenges that make them uncomfortable. Mm. What are three steps, simple steps, easy steps, this week possibly, mm. that BC Nation could do to engage in community? that individual or that family?
1: That's a great question. Okay, so the first thing that comes to mind is eye contact. So if you see someone out in the grocery store at your church that has a disability, a lot of times you'll hear that they are being looked at differently. But to just stop, make eye contact with that person and even just saying hello. Now I know it's hard in these times where we're all wearing masks and all you can see is our eyes. But engaging with a simple hello, how's your day, uh, can make the world of a difference instead of just that kind of awkward side glance. Oh gosh, uh, I don't want to look at them and and let them think that I'm judging them. Uh, Treat them like anybody else that you would pass uh, on your day to day routines.
0: Okay, got it. Eye contact, and that goes for homeless people as well, right? Don't just hand them a dollar without looking into their eyes. Yeah. Remember, you know, Mother Teresa said it very well. She's like, people like, how do you serve? People like when they're smelling and stinking and decay on their flesh and like, it's disgusting. How do you do it? She's like every single one of them, right? Every person I'm paraphrasing. I see Jesus in disguise. I'm not giving it to the person. I'm giving it to Jesus.
1: Mm.
0: He's just showing up that way. Yeah. And and I would say the same for homeless. All right. So eye contact, BC Nation, look people in the eye. At least, you, you know, the mask doesn't cover their eyes, so you have no excuse. Okay, look in the mirror. <laughs> what else you got, Becky?
1: Well, and let me say this before we move on. Don't you find it in such a digital world? Don't you find it hard to make eye contact nowadays?
0: hundred yeah. percent. Yeah.
1: It's a discipline, you know, to oh. to stop, take the time, look someone in the eye, and have a conversation. So, yeah.
0: Have you ever tried to look someone in the eye as you're speaking? Oh, yeah. I, I I don't know if that's a thing for anyone else listening right now, but- I caught myself having that thing. I realized that when someone's speaking to me, I look them in the eye. The second my mouth starts moving, I look away. Yes. And I don't hold my eye contact. I'll glance back at them every five seconds, but I don't just hold and speak and look them in the eye as I'm speaking. Mm. Why is that? Like what's going on there? And I really had to take that on and say, that's not right. Because I'm not communicating to their heart, to their soul. I'm, I'm looking up in the air or down at the ground. That's disrespectful. It's rude. It's not connecting. Mm -hmm. So I took that on and it was so awkward and uncomfortable. I got to tell you the first week or two, Becky, of just like intentionally hold your eye contact, Joseph, hold your eye contact as you're speaking. And man, with practice, it got better and better. And now I can do it more and more. But it was such a weird experience. that, And and I realized I just wasn't connecting with people in a real way.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, All
0: right. Eye contact. Got it. Number two.
1: Okay. So number two, I'm going to say awareness. So think about if you're in a wheelchair and you roll up to a church and there's no curb cut, meaning there's no ramp, there's the curb and then there's the door. How are you going to get into that church? And it's the little things. And I recognize stuff like that more now that I have a stroller and I'm pushing around kids. Um, Hello, this is not disability friendly. I can't even get my stroller up into this building. Um, Elevators, stairs, um, whatever it is, be aware of the little things around you um, that could uh, prevent someone from going somewhere, therefore instilling more isolation.
0: So Um, what do we do about it? You, you don't see a ramp at your church. What, what do you do?
1: Well, let me tell you. <gasps> tell us, Becky, tell us. <laughs> well, I say that because that is uh, the cornerstone of Johnny and friends is to help equip and mobilize the church worldwide. And so we have resources and curriculum that you can take to your leadership and say, listen, I, I don't think we're serving the disability community well here. They can't even get in the door. What are we going to do about that? How can someone in a wheelchair feel welcome if they can't even come in the door? And and I think you take it to leadership, whoever that may be, whether it's your welcome team or your senior pastor or your connections pastor, um, uh, take it to leadership. And, um, And that's something also to be aware of. How many people in your church are impacted by disability? Because they're out there. One in five households uh, have someone living with a disability. So it's not that they don't live in your community. It's that they might not be feel welcomed. They might not have the outlets they need, uh, in order to attend. And so that is one of the things that Johnny and friends does, uh, is to help special help churches, start special needs ministries, help churches, welcome people that are impacted, um, by these hardships.
0: That's awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. What's your number three?
1: Okay, gosh. Okay. So I have eye contact awareness. Um, you know, my third thing is get involved. Um, and and I, I speak from the heart on that because I was fortunate, blessed that my mom got me involved at age 12. Uh, if you have kids out there and it doesn't have to be volunteering with a disability ministry, but volunteering to serve others. And I'll speak specifically to disability. Uh, it, it can start as simply as just saying hi to someone in the grocery store, teaching your kids to stop, make that eye contact and say hello. Um, it could be getting involved in your church's special needs ministry because we know those churches all need volunteers, especially in this day and age as churches begin to go back to in-person uh, services. And so get involved, get your kids to use their hands to serve the Lord in whatever way that you can, whether it be feeding the homeless, whether it be serving one-on-one, whether it be, you know, doing a care package on the regular uh, for someone Um That's overseas uh, or something like that. So get involved would be my third.
0: Good. Very good. (laughs) All right. There you have it. BC nation, Becky Ellis's top three steps. You can take that are very simple, very doable. Eye contact. Look people with disability in the eye. Look homeless people in the eye. Let them know that you see them. That they're worthy of being looked at. Right. Mm -hmm. Number two, be aware of some of the basic challenges that they experience that you don't have to such as getting into a church and then go to your leadership and bring that to them. Use some of the uh, resources that you can find at johnnyandfriends.org. And then number three, get involved. And Becky also challenges you as parents to teach your kids how to get involved, especially for those parents out there. If you have a kid who's going through that age of ungrateful, right? They're just not grateful. They're taking all the blessings in their life for granted, They're taking the gifts and the toys and everything, especially you get to see this at Christmas time when kids just go through presents, like an assembly line. They're just like, that's it. What's next? If you start to see that in your child, you know, take them to a place where people have it much worse. When they see it firsthand, they, they smell it firsthand. They experience it firsthand what most of the world lives in man, that shifts everything. Take them to a homeless shelter. You know, feed the homeless, Uh, take them to, you know, Johnny and friends, Uh, get involved, ask your church ministry. Hey, what do you have that you're doing for disabled people? Um, And just as an adult, get involved in prison ministry. That's something I'm looking to get involved. Obviously there's restrictions right now, but it will lighten up uh, I'm sure soon, but really serving, you know, these are the things Jesus said we will be judged for on the final judgment. Did you feed me? Did you clothe me? Did you visit me while I was in prison? These are the things. Don't get caught up in the works gospel or, you know, which is it or works necessary. Jesus said, you're going to be judged on these things. Like you can't just have incredible faith in Jesus and then like neglect his children. You can't. Two greatest commandments. Love God with all your strength, heart, soul, mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. You got to do both, BC Nation. We're speaking with Becky Ellis. She's fantastic, isn't she? You could just feel her loving heart coming through your ears right now through the mic. You can find her at johnnyandfriends.org forward slash Texas. Uh, Becky, anything else you want to uh, share uh, before we jump into my favorite part of the show and then wrap this up?
1: Yes, I do. So Johnny and Friends is not just in Texas. Uh, wherever you're listening, we uh, hope to or might already have a presence. Um, whether that be an office, whether that be uh, a community of churches and networks, uh, or whether that be a family retreat. Um, So go on our website, plug in your zip code and see where we are, uh, how we can serve you, whether you're a volunteer, whether you're a family wanting to get involved in one of our camps. Um, And also we do a lot internationally. Uh, We collect wheelchairs uh, locally and we send them to prisons where our inmates refurbish them. And then we ship them overseas uh, and distribute them to kids that have never had a chair before. So if if your heart is missions internationally, we've got something for you there. And we also serve the veteran community, uh, those uh, that have been wounded by the visible and invisible wounds of war. So um, there's so much to Johnny and friends. I hope that you um, are able to uh, learn more about Johnny herself and and just how she is such a hero for the faith. Uh, And again, reach out to us if we can help serve you in any way.
0: Fantastic. All right. So Becky, welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. Are you ready?
1: Yeah, sure. (laughs)
0: What's your favorite thing about God?
1: Oh, Uh, his creativity.
0: Yeah. What's your least favorite thing about God?
1: Uh, Oh, gosh. Uh, When the answer doesn't quite come when we need it.
0: Yeah, waiting on the Lord, right? Waiting, yes. What are you most afraid of? Uh,
1: Physically, uh, fire.
0: Got it. (laughs) Got it. I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our lives. It's just part of the human condition. What are you currently struggling with right now, either professionally or personally?
1: Yeah, I would say anxiety. Uh, becoming a new mom of two and going back to full-time work. There's just a lot of anxiety with that. (laughs)
0: Anxiety for sure. What did you spend way too much time doing this past year?
1: Oh, I would probably say Netflix.
0: (laughs) Darn Netflix. Yep. (laughs) Binge watching. It's your fault, Netflix. (laughs) The
1: truth. The
0: truth. What secret fear do you have about people?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, I am a people pleaser. So uh, I think I would say I fear them uh, not being happy or joyful.
0: Mm, like letting them down.
1: Yes. No. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a big one. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God?
1: Um, sooner about God, man. Uh, I think his grace, uh, which is something that I have been learning over this past year and some devotions I've had time in. So I would say his grace, the depth of it.
0: Yeah. It's pretty good. Pretty deep. What is a new habit that you want to create?
1: A more consistent time in the word.
0: Yeah, got it. What's a bad habit you want to break?
1: Um, Netflix. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think one's going to lead to the other. What do you think?
1: Yep, that's a simple answer right there.
0: <laughs> that's so funny. Pick three words to describe who you are now.
1: Oh, a child of God. Nice. A, um, a mom in need of grace on the reg.
0: <laughs>
1: and... Um, I would, I would hope to say joyful. Yeah. Finding joy in the mundane.
0: Mm -mm. Pick three words to describe who you were before you experienced God in your life.
1: Mm. Selfish. Um, uh, Gosh, these are tough questions. I would say um, self-righteous. I don't know if those are the same things, but they hit pretty hard to home and, um, impatient.
0: Yeah. Got it. And last question, if you could come back to life after you died, Becky, look your family and friends in the eye, your husband, your two kids, and give them only one piece of advice about everything, life, eternity, all of it. What would you say to them?
1: That you are loved deeply, uh, more than you will ever know.
0: It's one of the best answers I've ever gotten. <laughs> this is what people forget that they mm. are loved mm. and it causes a whole lot of problems mm. from there. Yeah. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about having a relationship with God versus not,
1: you know, I'm just going to go back to Johnny's quote that I I think says it all that God permits what he hates to accomplish that, which he loves.
0: For those that he loves. Mm. And that's you BC nation. You are loved. Becky, uh, if BC Nation wants to get in touch with you, reach out to you, send you a question, how do they do that?
1: Sure. You can find me, uh, email me at bellis at johnnyandfriends.com.